Hi, you're listening to 48 Minutes, and this is Tim Kittrow from NBA Jam. Ooh, boom, shakalaka. What is up, everybody? Welcome to 48 Minutes, an NBA podcast. I am your host, Sean Mackey. We are continuing our season previews today. Uh, we're moving on with the Milwaukee Bucks this 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 episode. We've been uh, we've been churning out season previews about two a week for you. We're gonna try to do uh, try to do all thirty teams this year, which is uh, it, it's it's will be quite an accomplishment if we finally get it done. So I'm excited. So every Monday and Thursday, check your. Uh, your iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or, or Spotify. We're on Spotify now, everyone. You can click the follow button uh, and uh, and check us out uh, today. We are are bringing one of our uh, one of our former guests on the show. Back when we were the Corner Three, we have not talked to this gentleman in just about two years, but he is here today with us. We're talking some Milwaukee Bucks from Brew Hoop. Dot com. We are talking to Mitchell Maurer. Is that right? Did I say that right? You nailed it on the first try, Sean. Great job. That's good. That's good. I thought it was – it was funny because I remembered Mitchell Maurer and, and saying that a few years ago. And I looked at how your name was spelled a few minutes ago and I'm like, whoa, yeah. maybe, we got it, maybe we got it wrong the first time. So yeah, that, this- fir- that first star doesn't know what it's doing. It's drunk. Get it out of here. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. So how are you, sir? I'm doing very well. Couldn't be better. Oh, check that. I could be better because it is August and the NBA is not going on right now. So uh, check with me in two months. I'll be much better than I am now because it's just boring. Oh, man. It's, you know, NBA hoops is is my favorite thing. And uh, this time of the year, especially in in August and uh, beginning of September, I mean, we're we're five weeks away from preseason basketball. That's a long time. And, it is, and I'm, you know, I I have nothing to do. Uh, the only thing I have to look forward to is uh, NBA 2K is going to be coming out in a few weeks, and that'll that might hold me over a little bit. Uh, get me check out some lineups. I always like to look on there to see where some of the players have went that I forgot left teams, <laughs> stuff like that. So, uh, so yeah, this is this is a terrible time for NBA fans, but that's why we're doing these season previews now to hype stuff up. So, um, uh, last time I think we spoke. Uh, I believe you told me you were you were uh, living in Austin. Is that correct? That is the case. Uh, was then and still is. Still, still is living up here in Austin. Yep. Okay. Okay. I went out there this year for the first time this summer. Me and my wife took a trip out there uh, back in June. Um, we uh, I, personally, I fell in love with the city. It is an amazing, mm. amazing town. Um, I'm, I'm jealous you live there. Hot as hell, though. So hot. Yeah. Yeah. There is that. It's been. Uh... <laughs> Weird to say, but unseasonably hot the last couple of weeks. Our uh, our AC has been working overtime and just struggling as all get out to try to keep the house cool. But um, yeah, it's a great city, great music scene, great nightlife, wonderful Mexican food. I would put our Mexican food up against any uh, the Mexican and Tex-Mex, which apparently there's a difference. I did not know that until that, I lived in this I, fair city. I, that's that's what I, that's what I've heard. That's what I've heard. So. We went to a few different places. So we went to a place called, uh, I think it was ABGB. It was a yes, brewery. Yes, I've been. I've You've been. been there. Okay, yep. okay. I, I, we checked that place out. Um, I went to a few of your record stores. You guys have some pretty impressive record stores in town. I'm, I'm from Cincinnati, so uh-huh. we, we have we – have, that's like a big thing here. Records are, are huge in Cincinnati. We have like 12 stores here. And you guys had two really good ones. And I've been to a lot of places in the United States. You had some great record stores that had cool stuff that I never found anywhere else. So I was really happy about that. Um, but uh, uh, we went to a few. Obviously, we, the food there was great, like you said. There's there's a difference between uh, Max and Tex-Mex. Um, mm-hmm. We went to a lot of taco trucks. Um, we, we, we had a lot. What would... If you were gonna, if you were gonna wager, and just go go ahead and and say what say what you will, who has the best taco place in Austin? 
That oh, man, that's a complicated question, Sean. This is a whole can of worms. It, it very much depends okay. on okay. what time of day it is and what type of taco you're going for. Okay, it's a, it's a very important clarification that we need. The the listeners need. Okay, well let's just let's just say we're going to go for a a basic, uh, you know, run of the mill ground beef taco. Like we're mm. talking just the ba- the most basic of basic. If we're just going to go the most basic of basic, what what would you do? Oh, that's that's a good one because I've ground beef is definitely a staple, easy to come by. Uh, there is a truck on Rainy Street that I think is very very solid. Although they are doing a lot of construction on Rainy Street, I cannot remember the name of it. Um, I'll just I'll give you my favorite taco place. Okay. I can't vouch for their ground beef because the number of other options that are superior to ground beef is innumerable. That is, that is uh, fine. It's a it's a small local chain called Taco Deli. Uh, they're yes. only open for like maybe nine hours a day, yes. and just ugh, I I cannot get enough I, of I what t- they have to offer. Their carne I, asada is on points. Their carnitas are fantastic. They've got this. Oh, there's this like spicy ranch style salsa that they make in house. That every once in a while we'll stop by there just to get that. Like we may have taco money in the budget for that week. But we do have salsa money because, I mean, come on, we're not monsters. <laughs> we did stuff at Taco Deli. Uh, I, I don't know which lo- – is there just one location there? Or there's, there's a several? few. There's a there's few. A few, yeah. The one that we were at, it was right at the end of a street, um, mm-hmm. and it, I, we ate under a tree out, yeah. outside. Yeah. So uh, it was it was very good. But there is a there is a chain there that they, they have in Austin that we don't have here in, in Cincinnati. I hear it's just in Texas that I tried, and I, I want to I get your feedback on it. Tell me. Torchy's Tacos, what do you think? I am also a big fan of Torchy's. Now, here's okay. the thing. Okay. For, for dinner, Torchy's is the way to go. Breakfast and lunch, Taco Deli. I'll tell you why. Torchy's serving size, much, much bigger. Um, I, I'm not going to put Torchy's on blast because they have mentioned me on Twitter before, and I don't want to get in trouble. Sure, sure. But I think that the, the specific ingredients that Taco Deli uses, I think, is uh, a little bit better than Torchy's. However, however, the variety of uh, options that you can get for dinner at Torchy's, not on the regular menu, on the secret menu. Secret menu? You want that that secret menu. It's not a huge secret anymore because the internet ruins everything. But go go ahead, and for everybody listening out there, Google the Ace of Spades on Torchy's secret menu. Come to Austin, get it, and then thank me because you will need to because of how good it is. Also, please, God, only order one. It's too big. <laughs> Getting pro tips here from a, a, a true uh, a true Austin resident. Very good, very good. I did want to I did want to pick your brain about that. So thank you, thank you. We can just do we can just do the whole episode on this. Like, who, we don't want to talk about the Bucks. Let's just have, make this taco yeah, talk. Yeah, yeah. Let's just let's just do talk. No, no, no. We got to talk about the Bucks. We got to talk about the Bucks. That's so, fine. so. Interesting season for for the Bucks last year. Let's let's kind of rewind back to uh, mm. the. T- you're like, well, I don't know. Do we have to? I yeah, rather not. And we, we we need to. We really need to. We got we got to <laughs> sure. go back. We got to sure. go back. So, um, last season was was kind of different for the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, it was it was definitely interesting. Um, I I would say that expectations were not met at the end of the season. No, not so, even close. Not, not even, even not close. even close. Not even close. Because you guys are full on like you know Giannis is a is a top top five maybe top three NBA talent right now. We need to be we need to be in the Eastern Conference Finals. Correct. Oh yeah, I would agree with that. In terms of where his talent takes the team's ceiling, there's no reason that this team, properly constructed and properly utilized around Giannis Antetokounmpo. There's no reason they can't be an Eastern Conference Finals team. Now, there are a bunch of other things that are at play that kind of hold the team back. And when you want to talk about the prime reason for why that was in the 2017-18 season, it's, it was Jason Kidd. It was Jason Kidd and the systems that he put in place and the strategies that he and his assistants, his staff, uh, implemented with the roster that had been built, and it just there's so many things that just simply didn't work. And then what really, what really kind of sealed the deal for their disappointing season was the fact that they just didn't adjust. And whenever they did, they didn't stick to the adjustment. And it was incredibly frustrating, 
particularly for the subset of Bucks fans that had for a while at that point already kind of gotten sick and tired of Jason Kidd as a coach. Uh, I, I, can't, I don't know how, how much you follow Bucks Twitter, the subset of NBA Twitter, which is oh, a wonderful yes. place. It is, uh, it is. Bucks, Bucks Twitter is a very intense place. Uh, and if you're, they are not happy about something, they will let you know. Yes, they will. Uh, they're very good about that. They're, they're very consistent about that, which is good. Which is good. Engagement is better than apathy. Although I do know a few people that have fallen into the apathy trap because the Bucks haven't given them a good reason to get out. Um, <laughs> but yeah, long story short, long story short, uh, there were a, I want to say scores of Twitter users that had uh, all adopted the same avatar that was just hashtag FireKid with his face in a cartoon uh, avatar with flames behind it. Uh, and it just it turned into this like mini movement. I believe they referred to themselves as the fiefdom, uh, which is which is a great word, great word. Um, and just it just kept railing against kid as a coach. And I mean, they honestly like I didn't want to necessarily agree with. I don't want to say mob because it has uh, negative connotations, but it kind of it kind of was a mob. You know, they were right. I, tr- I tried to you know give every benefit of the doubt, and I was easily one of the last ones to get off of his boat before it sank all the way. Uh, I should have jumped ship way earlier because he w- – it wasn't even that he was a bad coach because I think there were some things that he- in his coaching that he did that were good. You know, in-game execution, ro- minutes rotation management, you know, average to below average. But yeah. there were so many things that he did that were just wrong. He was a ter- <laughs> it was just wrong. Like, like the, the amount of the amount of blitzing that he forced the defense to do, which put them into an impossible situation, possession after possession after possession after possession, and giving up threes left, right, center, and just and just refusing to adjust. Like it clearly wasn't working, and it's uh, and the entire regression of relying on the three ball on offense. Like, yeah, Giannis isn't exactly a shooter, but there are a number of players on the roster who are shooters, who are very good shooters. Chris Middleton, Malcolm Brogdon, Tony Snell, uh, Jabari Parker for during his time there. I'm sure we'll come back to him in a little bit. Like he actually had turned into a very, very good three point shooter, but none of them were shooting threes enough. So just everything, everything that he did would, would be wrong and he would double down on it. And it just eventually he did get fired mid-season, but you know at that point they brought they elevated as his lead assistant, so there wasn't really that much different that they could have done. Yeah, uh, yeah. And yeah, and that's how you end up with just a forty-four and thirty-eight record on a team that had gone into the season expecting fifty plus. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, there. Uh, I think expectations were really high uh, coming off the season before. Um, and, uh, you know, like you said, you know, Bucks end up going 23 and 22. They, they get rid of kid. Um, you know, and I, I'm in agreement with you. I, I thought he, he's an average coach. He's average. He's one of those guys that can kind of elevate a really bad team. I think he connects with younger players, uh, and that, and that sort of, uh, and that sort of fashion. But besides that, he's, he's very average. I, I compared now he's a much, he's a much better coach than the man I'm about to mention, but I've I've compared him a lot to Vinny Del Negro, a guy who came into the league as a coach, was basically had basically a 500 record, his whole career as a head coach uh, in Chicago and out in LA in the, on the Clippers, and uh, he they both had they both had similar ways of of trying to to uh, actually almost it was almost like their own sort of defense. Of course, Jason Kidd had the the infamous. Uh, Running into the player, dropping the ice, uh, that whole fiasco. Vinny Del Negro once stood on the sideline and yelled at a player from the opposing team to miss it. So, so they they both have that kind of that that kind of uh, bizarre coaching down. Um, but he so he leaves. Uh, Joe Prunty. Am I saying Prunty right? Is it? Prunty? I, I believe it's Prunty. It's Prunty. You you believe or you know? <laughs> I mean, I've never met the man in person, so I can't know, but. <laughs> I feel like he was one of those guys. Anytime he came up on a, uh, anytime he came up on a, 
you know, a post-game conference, everyone was just kind of like, who the hell is this guy? And, like, by the time, I, I think I saw him maybe once in between from when he got hired into the playoffs, mm-hmm. and I, sure. I still, as soon as the playoffs started, I'm like, who the hell is this guy? So, and I think that was kind of everyone's, it was kind of like a running joke with a lot of, uh, you know, people we talked to that, you know, no one really knew who the, the coach of the Bucks was at the time. So, sure. but, but, he, but he was a, you know, a decent assistant for years, and he had three titles with, uh, with different teams, so I mean, you know, so anyways, so, uh, Prunty comes in, um, they end up, was it the seventh, they ended up with the seventh seed at the end of the season? Uh, yes. Yeah. Cause they, they faced up against Boston in the round, the first round. Yeah. So they, they, they faced Boston in the first round and they take them to seven games, which is, yes, they did. which was, which was very, it was, it was a very good series. I, it was one of the, it was one of the better first round series, uh, that, that happened last year. And unfortunately I was rooting for the Bucks to win because Celtics fans just, grind me down uh, on that playoffs. we can on that we can agree well yeah yeah i just I, you know I, i'm not gonna i'm not i just can't root for him i can't so and Giannis is just such a talent so so um you get knocked out after seven games which you know no shame it was kind of a it was kind of a weird season so this was the last season at the at the bradley center no yeah that's true the bradley that, center has officially closed its doors the bucks are going to open up in the fiserv forum which i guess is the name yeah, it's my serve. I, I looked it up a few minutes ago. That's yeah. how it's pronounced. <laughs> yeah, that's, I, I nailed it. Uh, you it did. It's actually funny, just because uh, a couple of months ago, the rumor, or I guess a report was published saying that it, you know, Fiserv was going to be the sponsor. It was quickly retracted, and then for weeks, just nothing happened, and so fans are kind of looking at each other like, okay, well, that was weird. And that ends up just being <laughs> that same company uh, all over again. So, huh. well, good, it's good, a, it's good a, job in the secrecy, guys. It's a it's a beautiful looking facility. I'm I'm that very impressed. True. I I'm I, the architecture on this on this uh, facility looks amazing. If you haven't checked out pictures of the Pfizer Forum, uh, I would strongly recommend uh, googling it now. It, it it looks incredible, and it looks Bradley Center. I think was like one of it was the oldest uh, arena that hadn't been renovated. Is that correct? Uh, I know there were some minor renovations, okay. but uh, before I was even a fan attending games, okay. so definitely long enough since it had been upheld. And yeah, that was one of the big things. Like when, if you go all the way back to when the uh, the Bucks were sold to their current ownership group uh, from uh, the previous owner, Senator Herb Cole, uh, one of the main stipulations was that the team had to stay in Milwaukee for the sale. And in order for the NBA, the league, to actually be okay with it was that they needed to get a new stadium because the Bradley Center just was not going to cut it for what uh, the demands of a modern stadium are, I suppose. Uh, And so they were both, Senator Cole and the ownership group, pledged, uh, I think they pledged about half of the overall costs of the project. Um, The the numbers are not in my head right now, but I want to say, I want to say it was a $200 million project and between... The new owners and the, the older owner, uh, they both uh, pledged uh, $50 million each, so about $100 million, which is pretty okay. cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, the way, the way that everything has turned out with the construction and the design, and I'll say, I'll say this. This just went on on Twitter uh, a couple hours ago. Um, the way that they've prioritized accessibility in the arena from the get-go is remarkable. They're very, very detail-oriented. They're trying to make sure that they can attract every single fan that would want to come see a Bucks game. Uh, regardless of what they've got going on, which I applaud in all the fashions. Um, yeah, it's very, very exciting that they're hopefully on the upswing as they open their brand new arena in a couple of months. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be an exciting year for the Bucks in a new arena finally, because I know that's been an issue over the years. I'm trying to get that trying to get that new arena. Um, so um, it's been an interesting off season. So. Uh, you still have, you know, a top five NBA player, maybe top three. I don't. It depends. Depends who you talk to. Um, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Let's uh, let's get right into it. This guy is incredible at everything he does. He um, is. I, you know, like you said, he's not he's not the best shooter right now, but things are coming along. He has so many so many tools. I've been such a fan for a couple of years, especially um, his battles with LeBron and. During the first meeting with the Cavs last season, I, I watched that game um, because I, I love the Giannis versus LeBron uh, battle. It's it's great, but there were several possessions 
in that first game they played where LeBron could not guard Giannis on several possessions. I mean, he's just he's just incredible. Um, so he makes the All-Star team, starts for the All-Star team, I believe the second season in a row. Right, that's um, right. He puts, up, he puts up career numbers and points and rebounds. Um, and, uh, you know, he's only 23. He's going to be tw- turning 24 in December this year. Mm-hmm. What, what, what do you expect to see from Giannis this year? How much further up is he, how much higher is the ceiling for, for Giannis Antetokounmpo? Uh, honest to God, it's still pretty high. Like, I would say, I would say he's probably 60, 65% of what he could ultimately become as an NBA 65? player. 65, whoa. Yeah. I, well, okay. I've got high standards. I've got you high do. standards. But you do. Uh, this is this is a guy who came out of nowhere. is easily one of the best stories in recent NBA history. You know, coming out of nowhere. You know, living with his family uh, in you know a pretty poor situation in Greece, and you know selling sunglasses on the corner and sharing shoes with his brother to make basketball practice. Gets discovered out of nowhere, just as some project. Uh, I believe there was. I forget the name of the scout that said he was two years away from being two years away. Or then, no, that might be a different player, different project player than it was in reference to. But the the thought still applied. So here he is at 23 and is a legitimate MVP candidate, which nobody saw coming up until maybe three years ago, and even then it was a stretch. But he still has a lot to improve on. Uh, you mentioned the shooting. A lot of people mentioned the shooting. It's very easy to point to his outside shots and... Uh, and expect more from a superstar in the NBA, even when the play is, you know, primarily power forward. Uh, he did shoot over thirty percent from three last year. And do you know who he actually shot better from three then? Who? Joel Embiid. Really? Joel Embiid, I believe, was just a shade under thirty percent from three last year. And I also think I don't have his numbers ahead uh, in front of me right now, but I think he took more attempts. On a per game basis as well, so everybody fawns over Joel Embiid as well. They should because he's also a monster. Uh, but they fawn over him for being the stretch big and can pop out from three and stretch the defense. Well, he doesn't actually shoot that well. Uh, so when you talk about the outside shot, it is crucial to success. But for an individual player, particularly one as talented as Giannis, it is not the only way to succeed. Um, his length and athleticism and his ability to find seams and get to the basket are unparalleled. I cannot think of anybody who can, from a standstill, against huge defenders, even the ones that aren't as fleet of foot, but the, the way that he's able to get momentum and control the ball on his own, to, to not to say anything about his ability as a weak side cutter or somebody to lurk along the baseline... Uh, but his his ability to get to the rim is I, I can't think of anybody like it. I believe that Julius Irving is a comp for how well he got to the rim, almost at will, um, and that's that's obviously one of the main foundations of his game. But he still has a lot more he can do. He as a mid range shooter, he is merely okay. He could get a lot better, and that you know that pull up from the elbow or that step back that he uh, he likes to use this. I, I call it a power fade at the beginning of last season because what he likes to do is he likes to put his left shoulder down, dribbling with his right hand, uh, dribble and push into the defender with his shoulder to get some momentum. He's a big guy. He's like yes, two, he is. He's, he, I believe he's over seven feet now, and I want to say, yeah, he's over 220, so he's pretty big. So there's a lot of momentum behind that shoulder. But because of how strong his base is and how well he's conditioned his leg muscles, like he's able to stop on that bump and actually uh, rise up for a fadeaway jumper like in the lane. I want to see him do more of that. Uh, that's, I mean, that's going to make his he, he, scoring he opportunities a, that, much, that much better. Yeah, he has such a huge advantage, just particularly with, with the pull-up right there in the lane. So... Yeah. Um, so, like we said, he had he had a fantastic year. Um, uh, Joe Prunty was not not brought back for this season. They brought in uh, Mike Budenholzer from Atlanta, who's been there for I believe five seasons. Um, yes, and, that's correct. 
And uh, back in 2014-15, he did lead them to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, he's a fine coach. Um, how do you feel about this hire? Is, is, this, a, is this a guy who's going to be a definite step up from, from, from Jason Kidd? Unquestionably. Unquestionably. There, there, there is no comparison that you can make that will adequately explain how different the Milwaukee Bucks are going to perform and execute from a coaching standpoint than going from Jason Kidd and his system to Mike Budenholzer and the system he will implement. I, I, the closest I can think of is going from a tall glass of milk that's two weeks past the expiration date, and it was skim milk too, so it didn't have a lot of flavor to begin with, <laughs> and, and going to like the freshest, purest, most organic, non-GMO, all of this, that's like fresh from the cow's udder. It's, the, the degree of difference is unfathomable on how much better it's going to be. Because, and there's a couple of reasons for this. One, Mike Budenholzer will adjust. Just that by itself, the capacity to admit that something isn't working and something else needs to be tried easily is going to win the, the Bucks a, a few more games. Two, uh, he's not going to play mind games with his players. That's something that Jason Kidd was infamous for. Mike Budenholzer doesn't seem to be about that. Uh, you know, I, I can't speak to how he is to work with. Uh, or to play for, but I do know that he's not Jason Kidd, and that is sometimes more than enough. Three, he puts an emphasis on three-point shooting. You'll recall from his time in Atlanta, uh, yes. which is where you know Kyle Korver became prolific. Uh, Joe Johnson, famous. Joe Johnson, uh, not not as much of a shooter, but still very very effective. Um, I uh, I know Jeff Teague spent some time there. Dennis Schroeder didn't. Uh, he's gone now from Atlanta, but didn't spend a lot of time shooting threes, which is fine because he couldn't shoot. Um, but as an offense, as a team, as a unit, they emphasize shooting the three ball, and that is going to connect back to one of the things that Giannis is going to do and improve, which is playmaking. Because the team is not only going to space the floor better, they're going to space the floor with purpose, and they're going to move with purpose. Um, they're going to not have guys just standing around on the weak side watching Giannis work. They're going to have actual off-ball movement that has a point, and they're going to run sets that are designed to get people open for three and not just designed to, I guess, scramble the defense around a little bit and hope for a mismatch. They're going to move the ball more. They're going to move the ball around the perimeter instead of, hopefully, instead of this god-awful big elbow series that they constantly will run with John Henson and Thon Maker who I could get post position on because they have no lower body strength. I, I love I love them both as people, but good God, don't skip leg day. <laughs> the the amount the amount of improvements that we're going to see with Mike Budenholzer cannot be cannot be summarized in any. It, I don't know how long your listeners have. But we could just keep going, and it would be a multiple hour long podcast you, episode. You sound very excited for Mike Budenholzer, so I'm I'm happy for you guys. This is going to be this will be good. Um, so Eric Bledsoe uh, last year ends up uh, tweeting he doesn't want to be there out in Phoenix. Uh, gets traded, I think, after three games of the season, mm-hmm. uh, beginning at first week in November, I believe. He gets shipped off uh, to Milwaukee. Um, has a has a decent year. Um, with uh, with Milwaukee, there were times I I feel like he didn't mesh well. I don't really know how. I want to kind of get your thoughts on sure. on 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 how Eric Bledsoe did last year and and what you expect from him this year in his second season with the Bucks. No, absolutely. Eric Bledsoe was a major shot in the arm last season, and definitely what the team needed. Um, as a point guard, he. Right from day one when he came through from that trade where the Bucks sent out Greg Monroe, he, be, he was easily the fastest guy on the roster, the quickest guy on the roster. And I'm not going to say he had the best handle out of any of the guards. Yeah. Uh, because Malcolm, I mean, Malcolm Brogdon is not exactly fancy with his dribbling, but he's very, very safe uh, as a distributor. But easily one of the most dynamic talents the Bucks have had a point guard in a generation. Um, so the, the, the dimensions that he provided, which the team did not have, in terms of speed and quickness on the perimeter, like, like Delhi and Malcolm Brogdon are easily two of the slowest guards in the league. They're still, like, Brogdon's good. Delhi is, you know, Delhi is Delhi, and he can do some good things, but they're just so slow. So his ability to speed the game up and actually draw attention with, when he attacks was v- vitally important. 
some of the drawbacks with Bledsoe, he's actually a better shooter than his reputation is. Still not good, but he's he's at least credible, a credible threat from outside. However, some of his problems is that he's a very instinctual player and has historically relied very heavily on his athleticism. Not that that's a bad thing, because he is a tremendous athlete, but he doesn't necessarily move the chess pieces around like you might want a point guard to do, yes. which, next to Giannis and Chris Middleton, who are pretty good playmakers from the forward positions, not necessarily the most important skill for a point guard to have. Like You can kind of get away with it, but there, there were definitely lapses uh, on both ends of this court where Eric Bledsoe's presence kind of gummed things up or, di- or, or opportunities were missed. Uh, because he was either probing for something different. Um, not, I'm not going to say that he was selfish and sh- looking for his own shots. He actually moved the ball pretty well. and was a pretty uh, pretty good playmaker. But it just there, there's some instinctual things that were habits for Eric Bledsoe that were really, really hard to stamp out. Uh, I don't know, and I wouldn't think that Jason Kidd and Joe Prunty tried to really do a lot with him, particularly because he was a midseason acquisition. So I'm really looking forward to Eric Bledsoe coming in under Mike Budenholzer and playing, I want to say more under control, but I don't want to uh, hamstring the dynamic athleticism that he does have as a point guard. So th- there's a lot, of different, a lot of different ways that he can improve his game, but consistency and discipline are easily the top things that he can do to improve. Yeah, I think I think, like you said, he's... Compared to to Delhi and Malcolm Brogdon, he's just so quick, and it, 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 he was a shot in the arm to to Milwaukee. I mean, like you said, his first game, I mean, he was just running up and down the court, dunking. He and he looked like he was having fun too. That was another big thing. Like he, I, I think, being out in Phoenix for a few years, I think, oh, yeah. uh, I think it was starting to really wear on him. So I, I think he was happy, and Milwaukee fans were happy to have him there. So that was that was huge. Um, another player who came back last year played. All 82 games, uh, uh, Chris Middleton mm-hmm. uh, also had the best season of his career last year. Yep. Um, uh, is this a is, – is, do you think Chris Middleton is a, a player they're going to continue to keep on the team? Or do you see him as someone they might trade off in the, in the near future because his value might be really high at this time? Yeah, it's really hard to say. So Chris Middleton is owed $13 million this year. And then has a player option for the same amount next year, one that he will almost certainly decline because his market value is probably going to be double that next summer. Okay. Um, I mean, you're only in the league for a short amount of time. Like, get your money. Like, exactly. it's all, that's what it's all about. Of course. Um, as a player, he's incredibly versatile. He's an excellent shooter. He's a heady defender. Uh, I would say that he he is probably one of the most successful current NBA players that has a very low amount of natural talent and very few natural tools, but just every skill you could ever ask for a 6'8 wing to have. He's a very good dribbler. He's a very good passer. He's a great shooter, not just from deep, but from mid-range, which yes. a, lot, a lot of fans will cringe at hearing mid-range jumpers being a, a, a pillar for a player to build his platform around. That's a lot of peas. I, don't, I hope that the, uh, the audio doesn't pop too many of them. <laughs> but um, but his his ability to get shots off in those different zones of the court is very very valuable, uh, and, and honestly makes up a great deal for his complete lack of athleticism. Like he can jump and he can dunk, but he's not fast. He's not quick. He just he's got a great IQ. In terms of where he falls on the totem pole with Giannis at the very top of the Bucks pecking order, like he he's a good player. I would put him in the, probably in the top 30 of the NBA because of all the different skills that he has and the fact that he, you know, I'm not going to say that he doesn't make mistakes, but he almost always adds more than he takes away when he's on the court, because, mostly because of his versatility. Um, but he's kind of outmatched as a second option on a team with serious aspirations. Uh, he doesn't shoot enough threes. That's one of the things that I'm hoping that Coach Budenholzer uh, resolves for the upcoming season. Uh, he like he's very good about poking the ball out and getting steals, but again, like the, every year that passes is just one more year where his already low levels of athleticism are certainly not uh, doing anything but stagnating, if not declining, which eventually they will. Uh, we were thrilled to see him come back from that hamstring injury from the year before, 
Uh, but there's just – there's only so much that Chris Middleton can offer you, which is a lot, which is a lot. Yes. But there's only so much he can offer you as the second best player on your team. And, and that's kind of – it's not even an indictment, but it's just – it's a good microcosm of where the Bucks have been since the last time they were relevant, which I believe was 2001, which is a long time ago. Like their their second best player being Chris Middleton is like so many things have to go right in order for that team to make it very far. Like behind Chris Middleton, Eric Bledsoe. Okay, cool. Eric Bledsoe's good, and then behind him, I guess Malcolm Brogdon, who's good, but is a second round rookie that is kind of similar to Chris in that he's versatile, uh, high levels of skill to make up for the not even deficit for of talent, but he just doesn't have as much natural talent as a lot of his counterparts in the league. But just the middle of the roster and the top of the salary cap is just taken up by so many players that are at around the replacement level. And it just it's so hard to succeed in the NBA if you only have one guy who is at his place on the team that is far and above superior to his counterparts across the league. Okay, so, so what you're saying is, is you think he's going to probably stay this season? <laughs> well, he'll. I mean, I, I like think, Chris Middleton a lot. I would even. I do too. I, I would go so far as to say that I would be. I would be happy if he were to be retained long term. Whether you know, if he declines his player option, and they sign a big sure. deal next year because I think that his game will age well. Um, just because of again the amount of skill that he has and the fact you know he has succeeded despite. All predictions to the contrary yeah. thus far, so there's no reason to expect him to start falling off the face of the earth now. Yeah, but yeah, like mean, with with the amount of value he does provide as current salary, like if there's some way to bring back somebody with higher upside, like you really have to look at it. You really okay. have to look at it. I I don't know who that person is. For a long, I know that uh, I believe it was last summer. Was the last summer? It's the NBA is funny with time because it feels I like it feels like time is just in this weird warp. Like Kyrie Irving got traded last summer. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah, that's wild. That's, it seems it's like it was so it, long. It, yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, I know that the the Bucks were sniffing around a Kyrie deal that would have sent out Chris Middleton, uh, Malcolm Brogdon, and a couple of picks, uh, which whether it was offered or not or just informally offered like it turned out to not be the deal that Cleveland wanted to make they probably should have in hindsight but that was then not now um but trading Chris Middleton for a player of that caliber would definitely be a win for the for the Bucks if they were to if they were able to find a way to get somebody who's a clear top 20 talent in the in the league to partner with Giannis like that's the sort of thing where you have to you have to push and sometimes you got to crack eggs to make an omelet you know that medicine isn't going to taste good, but you, you got to do what you got to do to try to, to strike when your window is open. And That's uh, right. And it's a better pill to swallow, but that might be I, quietly. I think the Bucks have definitely considered the possibility. I don't think they're eager to move him. I'm not eager to move him, but if you know if somebody comes to them with a if Godfather some, offer some... and Chris Middleton's the get, like you have to do it. Okay. Okay, so you're you're willing to part for the right offer. So that's 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 kind of where I'm at with it too. I was I was thinking the same thing. So um, moving on, we you guys got a few uh, new additions to the squad this yep. year. So um, one of the I, one of the biggest free agent deals I thought this off season was the Bucks getting Brooke Lopez. Oh, you'd be right. You'd be and, absolutely right. And uh, he had a so-so season with L.A., but L.A. Mm-hmm. was a weird team last year. Yeah. Um, you're looking at a guy who didn't have a three-point shot at all for, for like, the first four or five years of his career. Came in, I believe it was in 2016-17, his last year with Brooklyn. Uh, went all the way up to 340. He was shooting 346 from the three-point line. And uh, I believe at that point, I believe he had the, the highest three-point percentage for a center in the NBA that year. Last year, barely dropped off at all. He shot 345. Mm-hmm. Um, his points obviously went down, but he was playing in Brooklyn where they had no one. So um, this is a guy who I've always I've always kind of had a soft spot for, even though he's never been a great defender, sure. never, been, never been a great rebounder, but I've always had a soft spot for him. Um, but, you know, for the biannual exception, 
I think this is a huge, huge get for the Milwaukee Bucks. How do you see him fitting in with this team? Uh, short answer, very well. Okay. Uh, particularly at his price point. Um, I believe he only signed a one-year deal, which is totally expected for a player who's got 10 years experience in the league at this point. Um, yeah. he, he's If he's not getting a big payday, he's trying to keep his options open. But the size that he brings to the team, the offensive skill level, that newfound three-point shot that he has, and despite his meh defense, he is a decent shot blocker because largely of his size and ability to position himself. Like, He's not Andrew Bogut as a positional defender. He was one. Of, like, he was one of the best in, in recent NBA history in yes. positional yes. defense. But yes. but he's he's passable. He can survive. Yeah, he he gets about, about two a game. So I mean I mean and that that is fine. Like you said, just by being being a you know a big guy, tall a tall dude. I <laughs> yeah. mean he's able to he's able to block some shots, and he's been pretty durable over the last couple years too. I mean he mm-hmm. he typically misses like between eight and, and ten games, which is typical for big guys. I feel like these days at the beginning of his career, um, he I think the first three seasons he played all eighty two. So mm-hmm. that's pretty impressive. And then he had one season where he was out pretty much the whole year, and then. You know, uh, he's but he's been he's been durable, and uh, I was really, really, really surprised he didn't resign with LA. Yeah, I was really surprised about that because I I feel like he would have been a better piece than perhaps Javale McGee. But uh, you know, from what I understand, the Lakers weren't really interested in resigning him, and he really wasn't interested in resigning with them. I so, don't know. I, if, if we could just take an aside, I don't know if you've done an LA Lakers preview yet, but if, I have. Oh, you have? Okay. Well, I have. I hope you asked. Why, when they have one of the greatest players in all, of all time who excels when he's surrounded by shooters, why the team let Brooke Lopez go but brought in JaVale McGee and also Rajon Rondo and also Lance Stevenson? Like, <laughs> why? Why are I, you I, taking wait, wait. shooters away from LeBron? We, we we did have this conversation. We did have this conversation. I think and, and, and I think the short answer is they're they're really just banking that their younger players are going to outplay the uh you know, the the meme the meme team. So <laughs> so I mean and and I agree. I think I I think he would have been a great fit on that yes. team. So I, I was I was shocked. I was absolutely shocked that he did not re-sign yeah. him. But he it wasn't was a, something that was... came up in the conversation. Yeah. But he, I, but I mean, the Bucks, the Bucks gained a really good, um, a good center. Now, how do you see this? Uh, do, do you see Brooks starting? Yeah, he's going to start, right? Yeah, he's, he's going to start. start. He's okay. going to start. He's, he's going to. He's the best center on the roster right okay. now. Uh, okay. He is a shooter. Which is yes. tremendously important. The fact that the, the Bucks really prioritized outside shooting in, during their offseason plan, and the fact yes. that they acquired Brooke Lopez, who's a plus shooter at the position, Ersan Ilyasova, who they pounced on right away in free agency, which made a lot of people confused and angry, which is fair had, because had, they had, overpaid. Had to get him back, though. They, they did overpay, but he, he had such a great playoff series when he was with Philly. I mean, they, they had to get him back in there. They had to get him back out to Milwaukee. Yeah. So. I mean, they could have done it like half the price if they waited like a day, but whatever. <laughs> you know, sometimes you just gotta, you just gotta overpay for something if you're, if you're really, you know, prioritizing shooting. So, and that's why a lot of those guys, you know, a lot of those guys were gone within like the first six, six, uh, you know, days of free agency. So you mentioned that they prioritized shipping. So uh, we actually did have there. There was another player that that signed with uh, the Bucks a couple a couple weeks back. Actually, that we actually had on our show really? um, earlier in the summer, Mr. Pat Conningan. So ah, okay, okay, so, okay. So so we had we had Pat on here. Uh, tremendous tremendous athlete. This guy. He uh, we we asked him why he hasn't been in the dunk contest yet, man. And he was and he was just like, man, I just I just gotta you know I just gotta start throwing down some some sick dunks in people's driveways and and and, get, <laughs> and, and record it and put it up on YouTube and maybe I'll get on there, you know. Sure. Um, he played all eighty two games last year, backed up CJ McCollum. Um, not a huge scorer, but uh, a guy who's a lot of fun. Um, and I could see you know him and Eric Bledsoe kind of being a terror from time to time if he's coming off the bench um have you really uh done any research on pat Connaughton before or i mean i was aware of him just as a You're general nba fan like, okay. i knew i knew he was a contributor in portland last year uh, yeah. I, I know he's got a baseball background which he i does guess, I'm, I'm not a baseball guy myself but a lot of people are so that's cool but he's a, a quasi two-sport athlete yes um but, but he can also shoot he yes. can also shoot and again that's one of the main priorities that the bucks have like the fact that he is a good athlete is a plus 
it's not the reason he was brought in. He was brought in because he could shoot, and he could shoot as a wing, as a 6'5 wing, uh, probably more on the guard side than a small forward. Um, but he's going to help stretch the floor. He's probably going to be in the bottom third of the Bucks rotation to start, not, not through any fault of his own, but just because of the players that they have and the minutes that they have to fill around Giannis. Like, he's going to be fighting with guys like Tony Snell, Malcolm Brogdon, Sterling Brown, uh, the rookie Dante DiVincenzo. He's going to be fighting with these guys for minutes as a, basically a shooting specialist because that's what they need him to be. I'm not, I, I have no reason to believe that he can't be that. He just has to go out there and prove it, and it's going to be hard to do when there are, is that many other people in the way. But if he has a good preseason, a good camp, a good mini camp that they're apparently doing the secret camp in New York that isn't a very good, well-kept secret, uh, but I believe, I believe that he's there. Uh, if he can find his groove as a shooter and find space to let it fly, like I want him to take almost all of his shots from three. And, I think, and, yeah. and you, you just go from there and let it fly and see what happens. Uh, if he can do that, like he, you know, he could swing some games and become a folk hero in Milwaukee, kind of like he was approaching with Portland. Yeah, he. Uh, interesting, interesting. So, so uh, Pat Connaughton went off on the Suns on on Game Three of uh, the Suns season last year, which. It was the, he basically he he was he had his season high that game uh, went off I think I want to say for like twenty five points mm. on Phoenix uh, Earl Watson was fired after the game and of course you know as you know uh, Bledsoe you know sent out that tweet that same that same like day so it's kind of because of Pat that that you guys got your Eric Bledsoe that I when, didn't that is an angle I had not considered yes yes so and now he's there now he's there with with Eric it's kind of it's kind of interesting we didn't ask him about that but he uh he kind of shrugged that question off and oh, just sure. laughed how was it how was it to get a, a get a coach fired he laughed pretty hard <laughs> at that one that's an excellent question good job on you <laughs> So uh, finally, I uh, want to touch on, uh, on on the NBA draft. So uh, you guys got a guy who, who's won two national titles uh, with Villanova over um, over the uh, the last couple years. You ended up getting uh, Dante DiVincenzo. Is that how it's pronounced? You nailed it. Okay, cool, cool. So he's he's there now. Uh, this guy spe- looks like he specializes in in three pointers. Mm-hmm. So Very much. I'm, I'm I'm not a I'm not a big uh, college basketball guy at all. Sure. And last last year's tournament was so wonky. Like the 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 te- the big teams ended up getting knocked out so early that I lost any interest. So I didn't really watch a whole lot of Villanova. I know they've been very good over the last couple years. Um, what's Dante going to bring this year? Is he going to get playing time with this squad, or it looks like he's going to bring some shooting? Yep, shoot, shooting again, just just like everybody else. It sounds like a boring refrain, but shooting is the top priority for this Bucks team because you need shooting around Giannis in order to make an offense that can keep up with the rest of the NBA. Uh, as a shooter in college, he was more than capable. Uh, he, he's, he's a guy that just not just could shoot, but also would shoot. His three-point rate was very, very high, which is excellent. Uh, he took a large percentage of his threes from NBA range at Villanova, which is great. Uh, he seems very comfortable in shooting in multiple situations. He's not just a spot-up guy who can only shoot off the catch. Like He is more than willing to shoot off the dribble, which is a good skill to have. I don't know if it's an NBA-level skill, because we didn't really get to see him in Summer League, which also isn't really NBA basketball anyway, but that groin injury kind of made us postpone our first look at Dante as an NBA prospect. Um, but a- as a shooter, he can fit right in. Uh, if he's going to be anything beyond that, it's going to rely heavily on his decision-making. Uh, his, his ball handling is good, not great, for his position as a rookie. He's going to have to really make sure he makes the right decision with the ball more often than not. Uh, as a passer, equally, he's fine, not great. Uh, so as an offensive player, you know, barring his very, 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 very good athleticism, uh, some of those tip dunks that he got in college hopefully should translate to the pros because they're just very exciting plays. But as a shooter, he's you know, just like Pat Connaughton, just like all these other guys. He's going to have to be very willing to let it fly when he gets a window to shoot from behind the arc because that is his ticket to getting playing time this season and beyond on Giannis' Bucks. Okay. Okay. Well, that's great. You, I mean, you, you, it looks like you know you, 
you found somebody who's been part of a winning program for the last few years, and I, I think that that's huge on a lot of teams like this. A guy knows how to play team basketball, and coming on a team like this where, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks have a lot of room to grow, and they're going to be very, mm-hmm. very good in the next couple of years, obviously. So um, I've been asking this with, with all the team previews that we have uh, before we close them up. Um, if you were going to give me one bold prediction for the 2018-19 Milwaukee Bucks. What would it be? Bold prediction. Bold prediction. Okay, here we go. This is how we're going to okay. do it. My bold prediction for the Bucks is that they will lose no more than 35 games total next season. Okay. Regular season and okay. playoffs. Okay, nice. That, no, mean, that no, means no. there's a couple of things in there. That means I'm predicting that they're going to be a 50-plus win team which they have the talent for, and they finally have the coaching to match the talent. They just have to get put it all together and get it right and stop making dumb mistakes. And LeBron's out, out west now. Makes it a lot easier. Makes it a lot easier. And in addition to that, they will win their first-round playoff series. Okay. Okay. So, all right. Well, that's, that's – I, mean, I don't think that's, that's too bold. I was I was kind of expecting something kind of outlandish, but that. All right, fine. You want something more outlandish? Let's let's let's. Yeah, you want to get do nuts? It. Let's do it. Let's get yeah, nuts. Yeah, let's let's get nuts. Giannis wins MVP. Oh, I like it. So that was one thing I did want to I did want to ask you about. So this is a guy who, you know, I'm I'm fairly confident if he continues the career trajectory he's he's going to he's having right now. He, this guy's going to win some MVP awards eventually. Here's hoping. Here's hoping. Here's I am a, here for it. There's a, there's a lot of great players in the NBA right now, but uh, last year I really thought he was going to be more of that that conversation. And uh, because of the the record and the the you know Jason Kidd being let go and everything, it just it just didn't happen. No, nothing on on Giannis though. He he played. He had the best year of his career last year. Oh, by so, far. I mean, by far. So um, yeah, I I just think. If, if we're going to get bold, let's do it. Yeah, let's go with it. Giannis for MVP 2018-19. Let's, he, he's that, got my be vote. Fun. He's got my he's vote. Got, he's got your vote. Okay. Um, going to be wrapping up here. Once again, this is 48 Minutes Podcast. Uh, you can listen to us anywhere on the internet at this point pretty much. We're on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. We're on Spotify now, iHeartRadio. Uh, we're all over the place. Um Mitchell, uh, the floor is yours. Where can the, uh, the, the, the basketball fans of the 2018-19 season find you on the interwebs? Well, there's two places that you can look for me and my hashtag content that I put out, focusing mostly on the Bucks, but also just general NBA, uh, at BrewHoop, BrewHoop.com. It's uh, one of the longest tenured blogs that's been a uh, part of the SB Nation network for, I want to say, yeah, I actually think we hit over 10 years sometime in the very recent past. Uh, as well as on Twitter, my handle is Mitchell underscore NBA. That's at Mitchell underscore NBA. Um, I make good tweets, so you should follow me for good tweets. You should. He does have good tweets. He does have good tweets. So, um, with that, uh, we're going to be wrapping up the show. Uh, thank you very much, Mitchell, for coming back on here uh, two years later down the line to talk some tacos and uh, and Bucks basketball. We're always happy to have you. Hey, happy to be here. We'll do it again in another two years. Sounds sounds. Hopefully not. Hopefully sooner. Hopefully sooner. Uh, you know how to reach me. Yep. Have a great night, everyone. <laughs>